With Damari Carroll out of the lineup, do the Raptors need to make a trade? Have they met expectations as they approach the halfway point of the season? And which New York team has been shockingly competitive so far? For Holly McKenzie, I'm Eric Corrine, and this is The Post-Up. The Toronto Raptors are 24-15, and 3-0 and since I last spoke to my friend Holly McKenzie <laughs> on the right coast of Canada. Back soon, back soon. Next week you get to see me in person. I'm very sad that I've had my last video meltdown for a while, <laughs> in which I do the videos alone, can't get through it, and start just withering and becoming a puddle of frustration on the floor. Because uh, my poise on camera yeah. certainly helps you. Well, I think it's it's your <laughs> your dislike or une- lack of ease with the process really puts me into a... <laughs> A facilitator role and I guess you know context is important and if I if I come to it with that sort of you know energy I'm gonna you know help this get done teamwork rah rah I feel a bit better about it but if it's, I have ever heard well in my life yeah but if it's just about getting myself through something. Right, but you can't even say rah-rah with that tone. Like, you need to fake it better even just while discussing. Rah-rah. How's that? Fake it to make it. There you go. And you know what? A lot has happened since the podcast last week when you and I were both very pro. Damari Carroll needs to get his rest and be healthy so that he's healthy for the playoffs because that's really all that matters. Uh, the day after the podcast aired, the team announced that not only would he be getting some rest, but he had undergone surgery on his knee. Arthroscopic surgery. Uh, so we still don't know exactly what the surgery uncovered. Uh, if there was any damage, they're, they have done very well to keep that under apps. But, under, well, did you say under, under wraps? No, no, I said under apps, but I meant under wraps. I was like, oh no, what does that mean? But you're just... Just not speaking well today. You're just showing again how the internet has infiltrated Ah. all of our lives and our brains. Uh, So we think the approximate timeline, even though the Raptors have not confirmed this, will be six to eight weeks, two months, something like that. That's that's a lot of time that the Raptors are going to have to navigate without uh, their big off-season acquisition. Yeah, it sucks for them just because they had been without Damari and Jonas for, you know, that stretch prior to Christmas, and then they get the two of them back within the same week span. And going into 2016, the mood was, everyone's back, we're going to develop a rhythm with this starting lineup, everyone's going to get used to each other, we're going to get to clearly define our roles and see who we can be on both ends of the floor. And that lasted about a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the most interesting thing I heard, uh, Kyle Lowry told Ryan Wolstat, my post-media colleague, it's fun to be able to say that, <laughs> uh, that, you know, Damari Carroll, who we haven't heard from, was sort of kicking himself for not getting it looked right. after a bit earlier and, and sort of 
And, and, you know, if you did that, maybe he's coming back in two or three weeks now instead of looking at this long recovery period. And that sort of falls in line with who he, who he is as a person and a player and his mentality and about wanting to play through everything. You know, we even heard last year when he had that, you know, scary knee injury, mm-hmm. how determined he was to stay on the floor and that he played through the pain on one leg. And uh, this is a guy and, you know, whose positive attributes can be, like many of us, can be turned into negatives if not You can't be mad at him for doing the same thing that has endeared you to him, you know? Like... All you can do is put in a better process that sort of checks his those sort of qualities uh, against some more, uh, you know, objective yeah. uh, sort of measure measurables. Uh, and I think they try. I mean, they sat him down, and yeah, maybe they needed to get could some. Have, like done it over. They probably would have preferred for him to maybe go through whatever test he had to go through to determine surgery was going to happen or just have the surgery, you know, two weeks ago so that his, or two weeks prior to when he did, just so that the recovery time, the timeline would have been quicker to give him more time when he comes back. But if you are talking about timelines, they're in a pretty good stretch right now. They had a, they had a good week without him. They only play one game uh, this week because they're in London and they'll play the Orlando Magic and then they finish um, January with a seven-game home stand, and then they will be on the road to start February. Their first home game isn't until the 21st, which feels crazy. But in there, you also have All-Star Weekend and then the break, which it's never good. It's never a good time to have yeah. surgery. Uh, I don't want to make light of that, but if there is going to be a time to have surgery in the second half of the season, this is probably it. So in the interim, James Johnson and Terrence Ross fill in hopefully they can both stay healthy obviously it was good enough for a 3-0 week although those three were against Brooklyn and Philadelphia you know arguably two of the three worst teams in the league and more on Brooklyn later by the way Um, and Washington who's dealing with a spate of injuries injuries. uh, and are clearly not themselves Terrence has been good though I thought James has been has been playing well too it, you, you think about depth and injuries, and you think about how much an injury can change everything when uh, Terrence Ross left the game against Washington in the fourth quarter with a sore back, and you didn't know what, what his status was going to be for the next night, and then suddenly you think, oh, wow, <laughs> you look at the roster, and suddenly it it becomes very, very thin um, at that position. But obviously Terrence played the next night, played very well. Uh, the Raptors got off to a terrible start for the second straight night. Um, against Philadelphia, and Philadelphia got off to a 12-0 start, and uh, Dwayne Casey went to his bench. He went to Patrick Patterson and Terrence Ross, and uh, Terrence scored 15 of his 16 points in the first half. He definitely helped get them back. I also really liked uh, the energy that you've seen from Patrick Patterson. Um, yeah, he's looking stretches. He's looking far more. And it's, it's not, ju- it's there, not and just it's not, shots but falling. But he's doing other things, yeah. which is important. Yeah, he's just looking more active, more engaged, more like himself. Uh, and that shots have started to fall at a more reasonable rate is nice, but it's sort of not the thing I've been 
most seeing from mm-hmm. this game. At the beginning of the year, I think that I think that because he was concerned about the shot not falling, and everyone expects that from him, if he wasn't scoring, it kind of felt like like that's what you were focusing on. But now, some games he is scoring, some games he's not. But even when he isn't scoring, he's doing all of the other things that he can do. So you're not really, it's not really as, I think I'm just repeating myself, but it's not as big of a thing. He looks like he's making an impact whether or not he is scoring, which is very helpful. So we're about four or five weeks away from the trade deadline. Uh, Before we get into any speculation, we should say it's not very easy Mm -hmm. in the modern NBA to make a trade because if you're over the cap, you basically have to match salaries. The Raptors don't have a lot of, you know, overly tradable salaries because Terrence Ross and Jonas Valanciunas' deals don't kick in until next year. Uh, There's the poison pill provision, which long story short makes it complicated to trade them uh, at this point. Uh, And really the only sort of mid-level-ish contract that can be moved uh, is Patterson's, and you're not necessarily looking to do that. Saying that, they have the four first-round picks in the next two years, uh, and it's tough to envision them using all of those. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, is it worth doing something? I mean, the obvious answer is it depends who's out there, but uh, do you have any thoughts on this any yeah um, i think well i mean i have no idea obviously (laughs) none of us do uh you hit the nail on the head am i saying that right i feel like i've been messing up sayings all week uh or all month i guess i mean since the new year started uh when you said it depends on who's out there obviously i think that every team at every trade deadline is going to be, you know, making calls to see what's available or, or what they can do. What uh, Do I think something's going to happen? I don't think I do, partially because of the reasons that you just said. There's not a lot of movable contracts. Um, but also because I feel like maybe if they had had their starting group together for the whole first half of the season and there were issues that they were unhappy with, they would make a move. But because they haven't, uh, really gotten a chance to see this group together. I don't know if they would be so. I don't know if the solution would be to. I don't know if there's a move to make because you don't really know yeah. what you're trying to solve. And I think that goes back to the Carroll injury and what's really frustrating about it is mm-hmm. we saw what happened last year. It was disappointing for the team, and Carroll was supposed to be a big part of changing that, and. Now we're going to basically go into March and not really know how on track they are to change that, regardless of how well or how poorly they do over the next seven or eight weeks. Although Carroll has not been able to put his stamp on things defensively as much as he's wanted to uh, since he was signed, um, that's clearly what the team was trying to do in the offseason was bring in defensive-minded players. We're almost at the halfway mark for the season, which feels crazy to me. I don't know about you, but to me it just feels like the first half has been a blur. Um, I know that we've talked a lot about Corey Joseph being a huge, pleasant surprise and really helping this team out in the first half of the season, and I think that's true. But I also want to mention Bismack Biombo. I know that we can look at numbers and we can look at plus-minuses and we can you know, say all kinds of things about what he doesn't do, but I've been really impressed with what he was able to do while Jonas was out. I 
I'm happy with what he's done for the team this year, and I I appreciate his uh, I appreciate his attitude when when dealing with us, but also just the way he approaches not just his basketball career but his life. It's pretty refreshing, and he seems like a really good guy that you would want in your locker room. As we're almost at the halfway point, um, having said that, I wanted to ask you what who has surprised you, impressed you, disappointed you. What are you thinking? Let's talk yeah. about your thoughts. <laughs> well, we I, first I'll shout out myself. I think in, in our post panel to start the year, I said that Biombo would be like a fan favorite because of mm-hmm. the things he brings and sort of the attitude he brings are so different than, you know, centers of Raptors past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can't say I'm, I'm even that surprised with it. It's nice that he was able to fill in for Valanchunas, for Valanchunas, whose injury was obviously a surprise because you generally don't see injuries coming. Uh, but <laughs> I'm not that surprised at it. What has surprised me is Luis Scola shooting 40% from three-point range. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Scola in general, like it's, uh, I did not, and I still think power forward, and, and if we're going back to the trade questions, I think they could stand either an upgrade at power forward or just some more depth at either forward position. But Scola has, if not fixed the power forward problem, made it less of a problem. And you sort of didn't know how he would come out of Indiana in in a smaller role and be able to step back into that starting spot. And And I don't think anyone expected him to take that spot, right? Like that was... That was Patterson's, yeah. Yeah, he came here and he took it in training camp and kept it. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, some of the underlying statistics aren't quite as positive, but I think he's been really big in just sort of normalizing stuff at that position for the team. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing is Lowry and Corey Joseph, Kyle Lowry and Corey Joseph together, when they've been on the floor, the Raptors are plus 12.2 points per 100 possessions. Uh, you saw Lowry have that sort of success with Gravis Vasquez two seasons ago, uh, the season of the trade, the Rudy Gay trade. Uh, last year was just such a disaster on that front. Uh, and you never really know how two quote-unquote point guard lineups are going to work. Obviously, there are more of them in today's NBA, but they can sort of be defensive disasters. And they, but you didn't think that going into the season with, with this duo, did you? Did I think what? That they would be bad defensively? Like, I don't think... No, but they still do give up size and can be exploited by bigger guards. And that hasn't really been a problem. And, and right. I yeah, no, that's... I was excited about, about a small lineup with, with uh, Corey. And I sort of expected it to, to be successful <laughs> like like I, I'm I'm always happy when that is the lineup that's out there <laughs> mm-hmm. anything jumping out at you in terms of I guess we should say they're through 39 of 82 games uh, they have one game this week the game in London against Orlando so it seemed like a reasonable time with an absence of things to look forward to in the the weird week future. with one game yeah I'm especially just... when the games you're talking about were like you mentioned the Nets yeah. Womp womp. Uh, the Sixers, only one womp there in the new year. And uh, Washington, which all of the injuries make yeah. them pretty, pretty yeah. upsetting. So, even with so the injuries it's, it's, and even when they're losing and even when Wall's turning the ball over a lot, he and Lowry, you know, he had set, Wall had seven turnovers in the game against the Raptors. Lowry had six, so it wasn't a really great 
display for the Eastern Conference All-Star point guard battle. Yeah. Uh, but even when the Wizards are sort of a disaster, Wall is just so enjoyable to yeah, watch for me. Magnetic. Just watching him set people up and just how fast he is and how smart he is. I really love watching him play. Yeah, it's just, um, I was actually reading this in Sam Mitchell, in the Sam Mitchell interview with Britt Robson. That was and, a great interview. Uh, it was. Uh, and he was trying, he was talking about getting Zach Levine kind of to think while using his speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, it's not something you can teach. It hopefully comes with time. Uh, and with seeing more and more and being able to put more into your mind. But Wall's that guy, right? Like, he he's so fast, and yet he can make the proper decisions. Yeah, Yeah, he thinks along with his speed, which probably only comes as you use that speed more and more. Uh, Anyway, so this seemed like a good time to get back to that, uh, to sort of assess the Raptors at the half. Uh, what stood out to you, uh, either on either side of the ledger, positive or negative? Well, I feel like I mentioned the positive with um, Bismack. Yeah. What we talked about with Skolal, so with Bismack, Corey. We've talked about all year. Corey, like going into the season, you had picked Bismack. I had picked Corey as my pick for uh, you know being a pleasant surprise, and I think he has been. Uh, disappointments, injuries. It's pretty obvious. You want to see what a team can do. Uh, they haven't really gotten an opportunity to do that. I'm just curious to see defensively what team shows up each night if they have their full starting lineup, you know? Um, I also have been pretty disappointed with the way they come out to start games. You know, at the beginning of the season, they had terribly slow starts. They were, like, blowing out the third quarter, um, and then they sort of became a little bit more consistent, and then they would – to have a good start and then, you know, tail off before halftime and then this trip that they just had, um, terrible starts. Uh, the games before that, the losses to Chicago and, and Cleveland, uh, just not really playing a lot of defense, turning the ball over a lot. Some games they take care of the ball, some games there's a lot of turnovers. Obviously some of that has to do with the fact that you're not having the continuity within your starting lineups and the minutes that guys are playing, but I just feel like I don't have a good handle on who they could be when they're playing their best with their best player. Yeah, and you worry that like Carroll's going to get back in such a late stage of the season that they're going to they're obviously going to want to give that time and give the starting mm-hmm. lineup that they envision some time assuming the rest of the guys are healthy. And what if it's truly not the right look? Like how do they have enough time to realize that is the final 6 weeks of the season enough to be able to Draw, it's gonna con- have to be. draw conclusions. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, there's no options. Like it has to be, but yeah. uh, usually you want more data than that in order to make a big decision, like changing your starting lineup before the playoffs. And obviously, this is hugely speculative, but it's just you still don't know who this team is in a lot of ways. You know what you think it could be, and I think if we're just talking about record and we're talking about some of the bigger statistics with the team you have to be pretty pleasantly you have to feel pretty good about where they are right now Uh, i have to ask you isn't a huge shock to me um because i am probably the biggest DeRozan supporter (laughs) amongst the media in toronto but for you have you been surprised with the run that he has been on certainly been longer than any any sort of Mm -hmm. spurt of his i can imagine or i can remember rather uh, I can imagine lots of things, Holly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say that's fair. I'd say I'm 
pleasantly surprised by his his play. Uh, John Schumann of NBA.com last week wrote an article about how, you know, it's one of, or or perhaps the first time his true shooting percentage, which includes free throws and and three-pointers and gives them the proper or or an added amount of weight, uh, has actually outpaced the league true shooting percentage. Uh, He's he's been awesome. Uh, And... You know, part of me worries how sustainable this is, and it is it is the product of an approved sort of sort of shot selection. He is taking less of those mid range shots. He is getting to the line more, but can you can you attack as sort of relentlessly as he's been attacking for, you know, if everything goes well for more months? Who knows? But. Uh, he's he's been very very good. The best that I can remember him on the offensive end. Yeah, and, best stretch yeah. I can recall too. And I think it's also been nice to watch the I don't know the proper word. Just the just he and Kyle together. It seems like they've got a good rhythm going, and Kyle has really been good at um, scoring when the team needs him to sc- them to, him to score, or when Demar's out of the game, or he's been having some really big fourth quarters when the teams needed him. Both of them together have been playing really well and it's good to see my last question here was was how has your team your view of the team changed very much uh and i think my honest answer is i mean the easy answer is we don't know what they can be and we don't know what they can be because carol's been injured valentunas has been injured and that's a big part of what they plan to be but injuries happen uh i think i'm slightly more optimistic than i thought i would be at this stage you know like i i didn't think the they could be as effective as this on sort of both ends of the floor. I know the defense has taken a hit, and I, I just think maybe their ceiling is slightly higher than I thought. Uh, if certain things break right in the second half, if they get Carroll back at reasonable health, uh, and if Ross can Ross and Patterson can be better shooters than they were for a large part of the parts of the first half, this can be a pretty damn good team, I think. Yeah, I feel we we talk so much about chemistry with this team over the past couple of years and continuity, and it is a different group this year. Uh, and not to say that last year's team didn't get along or anything like that, but I do feel like maybe it's just that there's a more even balance amongst the team with respect to guys who can play both ends of the floor, or maybe they're focusing more on defense, even though it doesn't always show that (laughs) um, on the floor because of some of the injuries they've had. But it does feel like this group really, they have the same goal, and they sort of are on the same page with respect to what Dwayne Casey's game plan is and what the scouting report is each night. And there is a good sort of feeling there. I don't really know if you can translate that with with uh, with uh, specific moments, but that's sort of the the vibe that I get from from interviews and scrums and stuff. I don't know. I don't know if you would agree with I that. I think I'm or... in a similar place to you. I tend not to try and draw too many conclusions to from interviews and scrums yeah, because but... they felt good last year too and uh and yeah. But there just seems to be more balance, I think. I think that's a fair way to end this discussion. It is time for the high-low feed. You know the drill by now. 
We talk about something that's good, something that's bad from the week that was or the season that was. We talk like, like let's let you into some truth. We talk about whatever we feel like talking about and then ascribe adjectives to them that we deem proper uh, because we run this show and can do whatever we want. And some things are undeniable, like this week's high, which, don't get too surprised, uh, it's the New York Knicks. An all, it's it? an all New York version of the high-low this week. Yeah, actually, yeah, very true. We sort of just... Uh, we sort of just stole the thunder for the low, but... It's okay. Uh, we've, we've already hinted at it, so. <laughs> The high is the Knicks, uh, and the biggest reason for that... Do you want to do you want to guess the biggest reason for that, Eric? Not uh, really guess. Zingy Taps? It, but. Zingy Taps? Yes! King Kristaps. Kristaps Porzingis, uh, the rookie for the New York Knicks, has been amazing. Like, uh, like, actually, not even being dramatic or over the top when I say that. He's been awesome. Uh, the Knicks are 19 and 20 on the season. Yeah. They surpassed uh, their total of 17 wins last week uh, with a win over Miami and have yes. since added another win, as you alluded to. Uh, bad news for the Raptors, who, you know, <laughs> own the less desirable of the Knicks or Nuggets draft picks, but... We don't have to view everything from the perspective of Masai Ujiri and company. We Today can... we're just going to view it through the perspective of rookies. And Porzingis is averaging 13.6 points, 8 rebounds, an assist, 2 blocks, and almost a steal per game. And he's also shooting almost 87% from the free throw line, uh, 34% from 3, and uh, 43% from the floor. So he's playing pretty well. For a rookie yeah. in New York, under the bright lights, where people booed him the night that he was drafted. There are only, I believe, two games behind a playoff spot. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to get there ultimately. But they did beat Atlanta twice and beat mm-hmm. Miami and hung, with the, the Spurs, hung with the Spurs. The yeah, uh, they've already, We've seen them beat the Raptors already. This is it's not an easy win anymore, uh, and. Porzingis is a huge reason why, and, and you know what? Mello Maybe even and Carmelo Anthony's playing great basketball too. Like, because it's not new, we're not talking about it, but he's like playing a, a way more level sort right. of game. I sort of interrupted you, and you I didn't. Did. I didn't mean to talk over you, but I was going to say exactly the same things. I didn't know you were going to get there. Uh, I was going to say what's almost even more fun than watching Porzingis is watching Mello with him. Like yeah. he seems to be so excited about this young guy and it's really cool and it's fun. It's fun to see that. It's fun to see Mello appear to be having fun on the basketball court. Yeah, it's been a rough like, little stretch. He's a great player and you lose sight of that when he plays for these awful teams. And sure, he's not LeBron James who can literally make any team good, but he's a he's a versatile, incredible scorer, but you know, we've seen on the USA basketball teams that there's more to his game than that. And it looks like he's enjoying himself, which is nice. Is nice. It's nice when people <laughs> enjoy things. Hot take. You know what people are not enjoying? It's a bit of a reach for a segue, but let's go with it. The Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so the Brooklyn Nets are 10 and 27 on Sunday, on Saturday. Which day was it? I think it was Sunday. It was okay, Sunday. Sure. They fired head coach Lionel Hollins. Because they did it during brunch time, and New York beat writers were not happy. Yeah, don't 
interrupt brunch in New York. That on a Sunday. Exactly. Doesn't seem very kind. Uh, so for our friends in New York, we are unhappy about that. Uh, but <laughs> Brooklyn 1027 fires Lionel Hollins, head coach, reassigns Billy Knight, general manager. Uh, you know, the Coles notes are obvious. This is one of the most depressing teams in the league. They traded away, you know, almost all of their first round picks over the last few years, or the rights to swap at least, and that Boston trade ill-fated uh, for Kevin Garnett and, mm-hmm. and Paul Pierce. They traded uh, a sixth overall pick, which ended up being Damian Lillard for a few months of Gerald Wallace, uh, or uh, more than a few months, but, you know, wasn't really the piece they needed. And more than that, you know, what bothers me is owner Mikhail Prokhorov comes out on Monday and says he's hoping to contend next year. And yeah. sure... There's lots of things I hope for, too, but you sort of have to be a bit more pragmatic than that, uh, you know, because sort of setting these lofty goals without really any methodology is how you ended up in this place in the first place. You know? It's a mess. And while we're... While, Are while they the most we... depressing team in the league? Um, maybe... The Suns are really confusing. Yeah. I think that they might be more disappointing just because I didn't expect yeah. them to be there. The Lakers, we sort of know what they're doing. Kobe's going to leave, and then, you know, the rebuild's sort of going to happen. The, the rebuild Sixers, is already the, sort of underway there, right? Right, like they and have the Sixers, pieces. we've got the process that, you know, either will or won't work, but it's underway. Uh, the Nets, yeah, it sort of just feels like we're in this mud. How do you even <laughs> dig out from that, you know? It's I'm not, not like... sure, but I just because we're mentioning the Nets, I did want to mention that uh it was terrible news to hear about Jared Jack tearing his ACL last week. That was that was really bad. Yeah. That was not that was not good. He's we a po- uh, he's we a had post Jared up here. Favorite. He's one of my favorite people to talk yeah. to about the league. Uh really just a good a good guy and I felt really crappy about that. Yeah, uh a post up favorite. Uh certainly I enjoyed my chats with Jarrett Jack while he was in Toronto. Uh, and you don't want to see anybody get injured, but he uh, he's a very thoughtful, different sort of perspective on the league. Loves the guy basketball. Who loves basketball. Yeah. Like, loves competing, yeah. Uh, but this team's a mess. Like, who can who could you even trade for a first-round pick on that roster at that You know what stage? I wondered today? I wondered who they were going to hire as coach, and then I thought, wouldn't it be funny if they hired Scott Brooks? Yeah. Like Durant, you know? Yeah. Make a move. Yeah. I'm starting to get excited um, against my against my uh, better judgment. Yeah, I'm starting to get excited for for free agency, which I know I never actually get excited for when it happens because it's stressful and there's waiting and it's dramatic and all of the things that I don't like. But now that we're sort of like just far enough removed that none of those things are happening, I'm sort of starting to think of like bonker, bonkers, crazy things I almost swore and I didn't. So to our producer Erica. Didn't, you don't have to edit that out. Um, or we don't have to add an explicit uh, tag on <laughs> iTunes. Just the crazy things that, that could happen um, because this league is crazy. Uh, yes, I'm sort of getting a little bit excited for that. Um, but speaking of excitement, there is nothing exciting about Brooklyn right now, unfortunately. A, a final note on this before we say goodbye. Uh, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski of Yahoo wrote a, a piece on uh, you know, John Calipari uh, Calipari, uh, considering 
possibly a move back to the NBA and to the Nets where he was in the 90s. And uh, a particularly damning part of that story was that some people close to Calipari had uh, told him to consider the Sacramento Kings sort of interest in him a bit more closely than the Nets because the Sacramento Kings had a better infrastructure in place. The Sacramento Kings are more stable. Yeah. That's where the Nets are right now. The Sacramento Kings. I kind of just want a loop of you saying that. In the that Sacramento tone. Kings. Damn. Anyway, the Brooklyn Nets are a mess. And guess what? They're going to be a mess next week and the week after that and the week after that. We can't keep on using them as a low and we're not going to, but they are, they're, they're done for this season. <laughs> like the story is written. Uh, and good luck to the beat writers in uh, that particular borough. Anyway, that's it for this week. <laughs> Holly, anything to add? It got so bleak that I didn't even know when to interject. You, I didn't even you, know how to That's usually not the problem. You usually interrupt at inappropriate times. Or, I know. I, uh, it was so bleak that I didn't even know what, yeah. what to do. Anything to add? Any thoughts on the world that you feel you need to get in there before we sign off? Mm, no, I'm pretty excited about just this London game. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's fun when there are games in the daytime, uh, the middle of the day, actually. It'll be the middle of the afternoon. And it's fun to see the fans and to see just like a new, a new environment and see people really excited about basketball. I like seeing people excited about the thing that I love. I hope we get. I hope we get an oral history of the Raptors Nets games there uh, from 2011. That would be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> uh, anyway, enjoy the Raptors London England adventure this week. Uh, we'll be. We back. actually need. Sorry, and now I'm doing it. Now I'm interrupting you yeah. because you mentioned something that makes me happy. Uh, even though it may not make Raptors fans happy, we need the oral history of the Benuzo triple double game. Maybe, maybe at the end of the year. It's a good idea. That's what we Maybe need. I'll write it. Uh, anyway, they come back for the start of a seven-game homestand next Monday. Uh, we'll have lots to talk about. We will get to you shortly after that begins next week. Until then, enjoy your time on this planet. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you then. How didn't we mention Kyle's onesie? We're done now, right?